Friday, May 26th. Happy Friday. Steinberg along with you as we welcome you to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com as uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. And hey, it's been a uh, busy week for the Calgary Flames. It's been a significant week for the Calgary Flames and we kick off this hour. It's Friday which means it's Eric Francis Fridays. Francis joins us now from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca and you know, franchise, I've I've been in attendance or have covered a few general manager announcements. You know, there was uh, Jay Feaster when he took over for Daryl and then was introduced as the full-time GM. Uh, there was obviously Brad True Living nine years ago, and now Craig Conroy. And I've been on this beat a long time. That's three GM news conferences. And there have only been seven full-time GMs in the history of this organization prior to Craig Conroy taking the job. I don't know. Uh, Tuesday was a really significant day. I don't think it's uh I don't think it's overstating it to say it was one of the biggest days in franchise history. You know, it's been you know, I, I described it as a coronation more than a press conference like or a wedding, you know, like it, that was a real celebration uh of a city who's really proud of this guy and really like almost sees him as one of our own, a Calgarian, because he's been here for what, almost two decades or more than two decades. And then, and then, you know, I think people are just excited that this guy with this infectious enthusiasm and smile on his face is like, he's the perfect antidote. Antidote. Yeah. Not anecdote. I know (laughs) that he's the perfect antidote to what, like he's exactly what this organization needs right now because we've used the term black cloud hanging over whatever the culture was broken and the the feeling down at the dome was one of a number of really negative emotions for the players you know for the players and and for a lot of staffers so anyway that turns around now with a guy who everyone's pulling for everyone's cheering for he's going to be collaborative he's going to be enthusiastic he's going to bring in some new ideas and he's going to he's already addressed some of the things that people in this city have been clamoring for. It's not like he's pandering to the masses, but like everybody in this city has wanted to see these youngsters play more. Boom. He came out and said that that's part of the plan. Everybody has, you know, said they want them to, to play less structure, like more freewheeling. Boom. Okay. These, these guys are going to be allowed to be a little more offensive minded. I just think he's, he hit on all the notes and I thought you nailed it when you and I talked about it the day of the press conference, when you said, Craig really kind of looked in charge. He looked like he was in control. He acted like a GM. And I, it's really kind of hard to kind of to, 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 to describe, but I thought you said it well because there was no like, oh, geez. Uh, you know, I'm, there was no, oh, geez in there. It was just, yep. hey, this is my plan, and we're going to move forward, and um, I think we can be good. And I, I think it was a breath of fresh air for everyone. 
So it's it's funny, Eric, because you take a look at the the things that need to be accomplished in the early going for Craig. I mean, this is not a uh, he's not he's not going to be eased into this job as as general manager, is he? Like, there's a lot that needs to be figured out in the very near future, from a head coaching job to some significant potential roster surgery and some big time player personnel decisions. Like, there's. There's a lot that needs to be figured out, and it reminds me in a lot of ways of the job that Jay Feaster stepped into when he took over. Now, that was that was a little bit different because of the, the cap jail they were in and, and uh, some of the, the really difficult things that the Flames had to get out of, but this just because of the seven pending UFAs after this year, because they don't have a coach, because they need to figure out how to get more out of Jonathan Huberto, like it's it's not like he's stepping into a ready-made solution. There's a lot that Conroy needs to figure out now. It's like drinking out of a fire hose, right? I mean, he's got so many things that he's got to digest and then start acting on. I mean, it's funny, like literally minutes ago, I, I just dropped Conroy off at the dome. <laughs> I was I was doing a luncheon with him. I, I was doing a luncheon with Phil Esposito for the Gordie Howe Cares. These guys are going to raise like a million and a half bucks this weekend playing yeah. playing playing hockey. Like amazing work by those people. And, uh, good on them. So um, that was a lot of fun. And then Conroy had committed you know months ago to play in this tournament. You know every team gets one alumni member. So Conroy is busy. He's so busy. And yet I said, are you still going to play in this? He goes, well, I committed to it. You know, no surprise. That's Conroy's going to honor his commitment. Cause that's just what Craig Conroy does. He hasn't played hockey in like a year and he's got a million things to do yet. Yeah. Duty calls and he, you know, he's going to do what he can. Like that's just why people love this guy. And when I let him out of the car at the dome, uh, it, he was like a rock star. Like people notice as him and I, you know, he he likes to talk, as you know, and I like to talk, and we had a lot to talk about. And as people are waiting for him to get out of the car, and then as soon as he gets out of the car, there's like, if it was like an old movie, there'd be flashes going off everywhere. Everyone had their camera. All these kids were clamoring around. I'm like, it's amazing. So anyway, the the scouting meetings were this week, and uh, he's wrapping those. He wrapped those up, and 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 uh, we all know, like the top of this list. And it's a long list, but is this Elias Lindholm thing hanging over this club, right? And and Noah Hannafin and all those pending UFAs. Like, I love what he said. We can't go into next season with seven pending UFAs. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of them he's going to address. Um, like, I don't think you're going to get all seven of them either signed or traded. Like, there's got to be some that are going into the season without yes. without either of those that, for sure. But I, I don't think you could do that with Lindholm. If Lindholm doesn't give you a definitive answer, and I can't imagine he would, then 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 in the next five weeks you've got to trade the last Lindholm. Like that's talk about like a, a tough first gig, right? You got to trade one of the well, he's their best player, and he's a very popular player, and he he could be your captain if he stays, but if he's not going to stay, he's he's dead to the organization. So it's just it's an amazing scenario that he's going to find himself in here right now, like. I know you've talked on, on, on the air a lot about what his list looks like and what the order of operations are, but yeah. you know, Lindholm is right up there and he could do that simultaneously while, while trying to find the next head coach. And it is amazing. Isn't it Pat? just going around the city? I was at the Italian sportsman dinner last night. What a phenomenal event that is uh, speaking with Marcus Allen and Tommy Wielden jr. And these guys and 
and and and the Calgary Surge were there, like they were represented there, and it was just. A, but everybody's talking about the coach. Everybody has a theory on the coach. Can I flip the tables and ask you? Like it seems like everybody is expecting it to be Mitch Love. Are you in the same boat? I, I get the sense you are. I don't know what it's going to be. I really don't. I don't have a feel on who it's going to be, honestly. And I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna put out a pretty wide net once again. Um, I don't. So no, I don't have. I I've. I believe that he should be a strong candidate. I believe for for me, much like the GM job, I think internal makes a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. in saying that, um, I uh, I really like the idea of you know. Thinking about him and Huska, those are the two for me that I think should be the front runners. But I honestly, Eric, I don't have a I don't have a feel one way or the other as to what Craig's going to do or what the organization is going to do. I know they like Mitch Love. I know organizationally there's a lot of respect and they're very impressed with the job that he's done in two years with that AHL team. But no, I don't. Do, do you have a feel? Because I I don't have. I know where I think they should go. I just don't know what I think they're going to do. Yeah, I. I... I would handicap it the same way that those are the two guys, the front runners. And I, and I feel I, in my mind, Huska is the head coach and Mitch Love is the assistant. I'm okay with that. I like that. I, I, I respect both of them. And I think their resumes are, are, are pretty respectful, but, but, but neither one of those kind of, you know, one of the issues is this is a veteran team. I know they're going to leave a lot of spots open for kids and there's kind of, they're kind of retooling on the fly. It sounds like this is what they're going to do, but you know, I don't know. It's tough, I think, for veterans to buy into everything that a new coach is selling when he's never done the job before. That's my, my only concern. I am a huge fan of both those guys, and I'd have no problem, and I wouldn't criticize if either one of those guys were named the head coach. I just think that in ho- in-house, those are the favorites because Craig Conroy knows them. He's worked alongside them. He's comfortable with them. And as he said and made it very clear in that press conference, we can't have what this organization's had over the last year where the coach and the general manager are on completely different pages. And he says, we're going to work together and we have to work together. He knows he can work with those two guys. So as a starting point, I think that gives them an advantage over a lot of other guys. So what's your feel on some of the external names that we've heard from Gerard Gallant to yeah. Peter Laviolette or uh, even guys like Alex Tongay, uh, Andrew Burnett? What, what's your feel on some of the external names? Yeah, I, I, I think it, they're all fascinating to talk about to me because Gallant and Laviolette, I mean, come with extensive resumes and, 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 a, and a real solid uh, history of success. Uh, but but they're paying Daryl Sutter $4 million to stay home, $4 million plus to stay home each of the next two years. And this organization has never really had a huge penchant for spending big money on coaches. So I can't see them double dipping and paying somebody else $4 million bucks as well, you know, or $3 million whatever the case may be. Uh, Mitch Love and, and uh, or Ryan Huska, they're not going to be in that, that dollar range. So that gives them another advantage. Um, you know, I, I don't... Uh, Brunette is fascinating for obvious reasons because he worked with... Uh, he's worked with Huberto. Uh, but I, I think that's a dangerous game. If you end up using that too much, I think that almost puts more pressure on Huberto. It's like, okay... We got rid of the coach you couldn't coexist with. Now we're bringing in a coach who is clearly just mostly for you. You know what I mean? It puts even more pressure on Huberto. So uh, that said, I, I wouldn't have a problem with Brunette. And I do think Alex Tangay makes a ton of sense too. 
uh, if they're going to start bringing the band back, you know, with Jerome coming, you know, in the near future. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in Tangay. You know, Jerome's always said Tangay was one of the most talented players, if not the most talented player he ever played with. (laughs) And this team wants to get more creative offensively. And that's Tangay's forte. And, uh, you know, the one thing we were laughing about is, you know, Tangay, I don't think he ever had more than 80 shots on goal in a season. <laughs> he, was a con- he was a consummate passer. So if you bring him in, that's great. And tell these guys to be creative. But also make sure you let Juberno know you got to shoot the puck. you got to shoot the damn puck. Don't do what I did. Do what I need No, Tangay to was at a completely different level. You go take a look at his shot totals versus Huberto's shot totals in a season. Like, completely yeah. different. Like, Huberto, yeah. Huberto looks like Alex Ovechkin compared to Alex Tangay. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you mentioned Ovechkin in shots. Just talking to Phil Esposito, and I think I'm going to get him on my show on Monday. Nice. So I, I'm telling you, people, this guy, I could have talked to him for an hour and a half. He was amazing. Great storyteller. He's such a personality. Uh, he has the NHL record. He says the only record that stood, because he used to have a whole bunch of records. Now he only has one. 550 shots on goal in the season. That's I can't see that getting broken. The only guy who's ever come within 100 shots of that in a season was Alex Ovechkin, and I think he was like 70 short. So uh, that's just an interesting stat that uh, came across as I was uh, getting ready to talk to Phil. We're talking to Eric Francis. It's Francis Fridays here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Um, I want to I double back to Lindholm. Do you think, you know, even listening to Craig on Tuesday when he was asked about it, he said, yeah, I've got a pretty good idea where Lindholm is and what he's thinking, but I want to make that call and double back with him. You do wonder what head coach Daryl Sutter being let go means for yeah, Lindholm's for sure. desire to stay or sign long-term. Like, do you, do you have a gut feel as to the way this might play out? I'll say this. If anybody can convince this guy to stay, it's Craig Conroy. Listen, they're, they're, they were similar style players. Like, don't get me wrong. Lindholm is, you know, more talented. I don't no disrespect to Craig, but you know, I mean, but they were similar in that, you know, they were both Selkie Trophy nominees. They both took care of their own end first. And, uh, you know, in different years, they've been phenomenal offensively as well. But, you know, and he's tight with Lindholm. He, you know, he understands Lindholm. He appreciates Lindholm. I just think Lindholm's one of these guys that would have been at Matthew Kachuk's house this winter when we were there and saw the lifestyle. And he's also lived in Carolina in the past and saw that lifestyle and, you know, there's places like Dallas and L.A. and Anaheim. Like, I just I, I just think that this is a lifestyle thing. I think he wants to live somewhere else. And I, I'd be pretty surprised if Craig Conroy could talk him into staying here. Now, if you could talk him into it, I think you'd give him the captaincy right away, wouldn't you? I, 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 and, and, and let me rephrase that. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's an automatic because I think there's two other guys that are ahead of the Linholm. But if you can use that as a tool – potentially and say, look, not only would we give you an eight year deal, we'd make you the captain. What do you think of that? Like, I hate to think that that gets part of the negotiations, but I know that the reality is sometimes it does. Do you think Lindholm has any interest just knowing Elias's demeanor and how much he does not enjoy dealing with the media? (laughs) Does that, is that even something he he wants? I, I, I don't, I don't know one way or the other, but it's, it's definitely a fair question. I think. Like I, I think he'd, he'd consider it a tremendous honor, but I think when he thought about it and thought, Oh my God, wait a second. I got to deal with those jokers every day. Uh, you're right. He doesn't love dealing with the media. I think he's kind of pretty just apathetic about it. He's not 
you know, adverse to it, but he just, I don't think he enjoys it. So I, I, I think that's a very good point by you, but I, I'm just saying, like, I think Craig's going to pull off all the stops possible to try and keep this guy in town because this is an organization still under Craig, like Brad Living, believes in building up the middle with your goaltender, your defense, and then your centerman. Those are the, that's the core of your team, and you lose your number one centerman, the best centerman you've had in three decades. Uh, that's a tough blow. Um, so uh, I. I you asked about my gut feeling. I still believe that Lindholm's gone. I've always believed that. Yep. Just like I've always said that about uh, Johnny, and I always said that about Matthew, I feel the same way about Elias Lindholm. And, uh, boy, I'd love to be proven wrong, and and, and, and it would be a total feather in Craig's cap if he could convince him to stay. Well, and we know that they are going to name a captain. Um, and, and Craig was very adamant with uh, about that with us when he joined us on Tuesday. Um, yeah. And I know that you tweeted about it on Tuesday as well. It's funny. I didn't see that. Uh, it was somebody on the text line who got me to ask the question to Craig. So maybe you did indirectly influence me to ask that question on Tuesday. But he was very adamant that, yeah, we're going to name a captain. Um, and they've got some interesting candidates. You know, you brought up the captaincy in relation to a Lindholm contract negotiation, what about with Backlund, who's another yep. one of those pending UFAs? Elliot Friedman's talked a lot about how Michael's a guy who would really like that, who has turned into the leader inside that room. Players look to him as that guy this season. What about Michael Backlund as the potential next captain? And again, having that as part of the contract negotiations with him. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it's as simple as this. If you can get back on the sign, you know, an extension, uh, I, I think he's the captain. I think it's that simple. Like, say whatever happens with Lindholm over here, um, I still think that if Backlund is interested in signing an extension of, you know, more than a year or two, then at 34 years of age, I, I and, you know, he's put in a career's worth of service here. He's well-respected. He's well-liked by the players, by the fans. He's a hard-working, honest, like this guy – can play any role. I don't think there's any question. He's your captain if he'll extend, but if, you know, it sure didn't sound like he was interested in extending, but again, that was when Daryl Sutter was here. Mm -hmm. And I know they didn't, I know they didn't get along. I know they didn't get along. So I think that, uh, you know, he may have a completely different outlook. And I do think a captaincy could sway him into staying in Calgary. As he said that day, I want to see what the organization is going to do. He was referring to Daryl. There's no question about it. But I think he was also referring to, you know, is this team going into a rebuild? Because I'm not interested in a rebuild. Mm -hmm. Is this team going to keep, you know, bring the band back together again next year? Well, then maybe I would stay. So I would not be surprised if Backlund stays, signs the extension, and gets the captaincy. Let's assume, let if, if to me, if Backlund doesn't sign an extension and if Lindholm doesn't sign an extension, which are both very real possibilities, mm -hmm. to me there's – at that point, there's zero question who the captain is. Who's that for you? Zero. Rasmus Anderson. Yeah, it's it's like, him. It's him or Uyghur. Those are the two for me. Yeah, Uyghur's Uyghur's a good. Yeah, I mean he's signed even you know much longer term now than Rasmus. I just think Rasmus, the way he carried himself last year, there were a ton of games where you know things were a bit like you remember Pat some of those ga post game you hear the audio and I'm in the room and it's like, what do you say? We blew it again. We lost to Chicago. We lost to Anaheim. Like we're right in the heart of this thing and we just can't figure this out. 
And it was always Anderson who came out, and it was always Backlund. Those are the two guys. And I think that was them, you know, saying, look, I'm a leader, and uh, nobody wants to talk about this because it's awful out there talking uh-huh. to the media about this. And he always did it. So, And I think also that, you know, he's the number one defenseman in the National Hockey League on, on this team. And uh, and he's got a long-term contract. And uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why he would make a lot of sense to be your captain. Yeah, I just, I think of, uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. There were a couple, it was after the Chicago loss that, I know the Nashville shootout loss was the one that officially ended it for Calgary. But that, that <laughs> yeah. loss to Chicago on home ice in regulation, the, the night before they went into Winnipeg and won, like to me, that's that's your loss that just it ended it. As much as they still had life after the Winnipeg win, um, the the you can't lose that game to Chicago. It's funny Chicago uh, beats Pittsburgh, and that's a huge reason why Florida is in the Stanley Cup final. But anyway, wild. I, I digress. But it's, so I, wild. it's crazy. I remember listening to Rasmus Anderson. Everybody else that night spoke for like ninety seconds, and Rasmus spoke for like seven minutes. You're just like, geez, that's a guy who knows what being a public facing member of the team means, right? And so yeah. no, he's he absolutely would be a, a great candidate for it. Yeah, he he's really grown into it and I, I it was apparent to me that he was taking it upon himself to to make himself available for those those tough interviews. And I, I, I and and I, I do think that in the past Rasmus Hans is a guy who he'd come out begrudgingly I mean he'd come out and, and do all the media. He's never he doesn't turn you down. But he, you know, he clearly didn't want to be there, and 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 the interviews were short. Now he's there to answer every question and and try to you know get his way through them with thoughtful answers. And uh, I, I think it's in his mind that I think he yep. sees himself as leadership material for sure. Eric Francis, Francis Fridays here on Flames Talk this hour. Okay. You know, there's those seven pending UFAs at the end of next season, but they do have some UFAs to take care of ahead of this coming season. And, and you know, there's Lucic and Lewis and Stone and Stetcher and Nick Ritchie, but the one that is most fascinating to me, and I'm curious as to where you stand on this, what's, uh, what's your feel on Matthew Phillips? What's your yeah. opinion on the way the Flames should handle Matthew Phillips? I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. You know, again, I think the power... If you would ask Matthew Phillips a week ago before Conroy was named GM, like he would, he would probably laugh if you suggested that he would even consider coming back here after the disrespect he was shown by the coach uh, organizationally. You know, they just never gave him a chance to take that next step other than those two games. It wasn't handled well by the coach. Um, you know, the GM was powerless in trying to get him more games up in the NHL. But now that Conroy's there, I mean, Conroy is – has worked with Phillips for a lot of years and known him for a lot of years and championed him for a lot of years. And again, I, I would be stunned if Craig Conroy didn't sit him down and, you know, emphatically tell him, look, there are going to be spots on this team. Like I'm begging you to stay here, give us another shot. You know, it's going to be different now. And, and I think you'd have to consider that. And, you know, I, I still think it's probably better for him to go somewhere else and get a fresh start. Um, and get a, hopefully get a legitimate shot in the NHL somewhere else where they have a lot of spots open and mm-hmm. there is a youth movement. But uh, I think that Conroy will definitely try and, and maybe potentially have some influence on his decision. Do you, do you see it the same way? I do. I, and I, I've talked to a little bit about this this week. Like, if I'm the Flames, if I'm Craig, I, I go to Matthew and I, 
I'd want to walk out of that room or finish off that phone call with the agent or learn about Matthew's overall decision. I'd want to know that I did everything in my power to try to keep him. So if that means offering a one-way contract, if that means giving him uh, a significant bump in salary, and if you're talking about him, you know, just under a million or something like that on a one-year, one-way deal, you know, to really show him that, hey, we're serious here about giving you an opportunity, and this is this is the way that we're going to show that uh, before training camp, that's, that's what I would do. And then if Phillips still decides to sign elsewhere, then at the very least – you can be as Craig Conroy, well, the circumstances sucked and the way things went last year when I didn't have full control were kind of beyond my control, but I tried and I know that I put a really, really competitive and strong offer on the table. That's And, th- and then let Matthew decide from there. Yeah. You know, I, 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 that's a fascinating debate that I think they'd have internally. Like, can you really give him a one-way contract? Like, you've already got Kevin Rooney on a one-way contract. And that didn't work out last year, and I'm not really sure anyone believes it'll work out next year. Um, you know, handing out one year, sorry, when I say one year, I mean a one-way contract. Right. Um, you know, that you can't just hand those out like candy because there's only so many roster spots, and then, you know, you, this, is, this is all counting on the cap, whether he plays there or not. And it's, it's really tough. Uh, it's a tough one. To, I don't know what the answer is for Phillips. I, I guess it'll all come down to what he thinks he can get elsewhere. And, I mean, I definitely think he, he has to go to free agency and at least test the market. And at the very least, he might be able to circle back because, you know, this team would be – I think they'd be happy to pay him, like, $400,000 to play in the minors. You, you know what I mean? Like, really yeah, – give him give him that, that loaded two-way deal. Yeah, that that's what I think is the – I'm not sure anyone out – it's a hard one. I don't know if anyone else out there is going to give him a one-way deal – at 155 pounds, like I, I, I know he was one of the leading scorers in the league, and he tied the league record for game-winning goals. He's an amazing, amazing hockey player. But can that translate into the mm-hmm. NHL level? That's just not proven, and that's all the more reason why it was so frustrating for Brad Tree Living this year to call this guy up and say to Daryl, "Look, I need like I need a handful of games from this kid at, at the minimum, so we can see where we're at and know what we're doing in the summer with him, or not doing with him." And the coach wouldn't have afforded him that luxury. Yeah. So either way, it, it, you know, we we in the media, you we love Matthew Phillips because everyone loves that underdog story, that undersized player with the biggest heart, and he's been mistreated in some in in lots of different ways. So we, I want the best for him, and I ultimately I think the best is elsewhere. But but if he gets a great opportunity here, I won't begrudge him if he stays here and, and makes tries to make the best of it here. Good stuff, my friend. We will uh, do it again next week. Have a great weekend, franchise. You too, buddy. Always good chatting with you. Take care. Eric Francis, he joins us every Friday. Funny enough, on Eric Francis Fridays, as lots to get into with this Flames team over the last week. Wrapping up the week with Eric on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show.
Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, rolling along this hour from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's Steinberg along with you. So uh, we know Craig Conroy has officially been on the job now for a little bit more than 72 hours. And on Thursday's program, we started running through some of the things on his checklist and uh, the things that he has to get to over the next number of months. So let's let's continue doing that. On Thursday's show, we talked a lot about the coach and who that was going to be. And we talked a lot about um, the future of Matthew Phillips. And, and we hit on that earlier this hour with Eric Francis on Francis Fridays as well. But I really want to dig into the whole idea of next year's UFAs. I mean, you know, there's, there's this year's UFAs. We know that there's Lucic and Richie and, and Stetcher and Stone and Lewis and, and obviously Phillips, but we all know that the eyes are pointed on next summer, the summer of 2024 with all of guys like Lindholm and Backland and Toffoli and Hannafin, Zadorov, uh, Shillington, and I'm missing one in there that are, uh, that are coming up and, and need to be renewed. There's seven of them in total that need to be re- re- renewed for the season after next. And as Craig said in his introdu- introductory news conference, not super interested in going into next year with seven pending unrestricted free agents. And understandably so. You can, oh, and Tanev is the other one. That's the uh, seventh name that I uh, did, not, uh, did not mention. So... What is the overall philosophy? How do you handle the seven pending UFAs next summer? This is from our exclusive chat with Craig on Tuesday and uh, how he broke down his approach now as the general manager of the Flames. The first thing is just to reach out to all of them and just really see where they're at. I kind of have an idea where some of them are at and other ones I'm not sure. And now uh, circumstances have changed, you know, the coaching changed, so... You really need to just sit down and talk to them and then just see if there's a if they have a willingness to re-sign here. Like I said before, when I came, I had to sign a contract. I was only here a few weeks. I thought it was a good fit for me, and I signed, and I, I wanted to stay. I want these guys to want to stay. I just don't want them to stay because the money, the term, you know, I want them to want to be a Calgary Flame first and foremost before we talk about anything like that. I just want to get their their yeah. ideas and what, what they're thinking about being a Calgary flame moving forward. So how many of those guys is realistic that end up coming back to the flames? I think it's a fair question. There's the, the seven of them. The thing that the, the guy that I think is most likely to be back is without question, Oliver Shillington. I think Shillington who we know is coming back for next season. And that's great news. Um, I think that he's got the best chance of re-signing just because he's missed the entire last year might even want some security as early as, as early in the season so that he can, you know, know that uh, he's got that after missing uh, a full year. So I think Shillington, at least the way I handicap it is the, the guy with the best opportunity to come back. And then there's some really fascinating conversations to go through with all of them. We'll, we'll leave Lindholm because we'll get to that in a second, but, you know, I wonder a lot about the Michael Backlund conversation. Do you engage Backlund on a contract extension? And specifically, do you engage him with the idea that, hey, we'd like to go another three years with you. Maybe there's a, a hometown veteran discount that goes along with it. Backlund's now 34 years old um, and, and will be 35 when this new contract kicks in. So you can structure things a little bit differently with bonuses because of, it'll be a 35 and up contract. But do you go to Backlund and say, hey, we really want you to stick around. We want you to be the captain of this team. 
And if you could do us this solid on the cap, because they are going to have some cap issues, I think we should we should have that conversation. And I, I don't know what back, Backlund's represented by um, J.P. Barry, so I don't know what what J.P. and Michael are thinking in terms of how they want to approach this next contract negotiation, if there is one. But if you put the captaincy on the table and say, Michael, you've really turned into the leader of this team, and guys in the locker room believe that you've turned into the leader of this team, we want to give you the captaincy on top of signing you to a three-year extension. I'd be completely fine with that. Right now, he's at 5.35 on his AAV. So what if you, what would he be okay with going three times five? You get a little bit of savings there. It's a nice round number. You know, we've seen Joe Pavelski do that in re-upping with Dallas. We've seen Ryan Nugent Hopkins do that in re-upping with Edmonton. Uh, Nugent Hopkins is a little bit younger than Backlund is. So I just, I wonder if that's out there. And I'm not trying to shortchange Michael at all. And, and if he wants to go hit it big with another large contract, all the power to him. He's earned that right. I just wonder if that's a, a road that you could go down with Michael. On the Toffoli front, I'm really interested on, on Tyler Toffoli because he has expressed an interest in wanting to stay. And because of that, as, as Craig just talked about, I think it is important to have guys who want to be here with all of what's gone down the last number of years. So because of that, I think that you could engage to Foley on. I'm, I'm not saying that every single one of them you want to try to bring back because I just don't know if the cap would allow it. But I think that you the very least need to have the conversations with the guys who have been very adamant they want to stay. To Foley's one of them, and Zadorov is the other. And... You know, you've got the Lindholm situation and you've got the Hannafin situation. I think those dominoes need to fall first. You need to figure out those two guys, what they're doing. Are you moving them or are you keeping them? Are you signing them long-term or are you going to trade them? I think you need to figure that out first and then you can determine what you're going to do, for instance, with a Toffoli or what you're going to do with a Zadorov. And those are the two guys for me that have shown the, or, or publicly anyway, have shown the largest desire to want to stay here. And that can't, in my eyes, be discounted at this stage of the game, knowing that, you know, we've seen Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk leave and we saw a general manager leave. And, you know, it, it, there's this thought out there that you need to pay a little bit more as a smaller Canadian market to keep guys. If guys want to be here, I think that needs to be taken into consideration. Let's So let's go to Lindholm, because I, I think that is the number one domino to drop. Once you figure out what's going on with Lindholm, you can attack all the rest of your player personnel decisions. But Lindholm's contract extension is going to be the biggest if it gets done. So attack that first. Find out what you're going to do first. This was Craig Conroy in his news conference when he was asked about Elias Lindholm and how he's going to approach that. He's going to be one of the first calls. I mean, you know, when we talk about this, all those seven unrestricted free agents we're going to be in contact in. And I'm going to, and I do know where Elias was thinking prior. So now I want to see where he's at. I really do want to see what his mindset is right now. And I have a very good relationship. And obviously, he's a priority here. I mean, for me, he's a player you build around. We talk about centers. You know, I look at him and think everything he does, game in and game out, face-offs, winning, all those little plays. He's a player that even as he kind of gets older, if he moves down a little in the lineup, he's going to be 
still effective and help your team win day in and day out. And he's a good person. You know, those are the type of people. And I do think he he really wants to be a Calgary Flame. Again, we'll see in in a couple of days what where he's thinking. So that was Craig talking about Elias Lindholm at his introductory news conference. I I know that Lindholm was one of the guys who was not on the same page with Daryl Sutter. I know that. So you have that that has changed in the last number of weeks. Daryl Sutter's no longer with the organization. So maybe that gives Craig a leg up and, and just having a, a fresh approach and a fresh new face running the organization. Maybe you engage Lindholm a little bit in terms of who the head coach would be. Maybe you chat with him about the captaincy. This text comes in says, Pat, what would the ceiling be for Lindy Lindholm? Um, I think if you could get him to sign for something like seven years times eight and a half million dollars, that's the ballpark that I'd be looking at. I think the AAV would come down if you go eight, and it would have to go up if you went six. So you'd probably be talking about, at least in my very, very preliminary projections, you'd probably have to go 8.75 times six, and maybe you could go... 8.25 8.25 or 8 times 8. And so 7 times 8.5 sounds like a good kind of starting point or a good ballpark starting point. I mean, negotiations work a little bit differently, but that's that's where I would be. That's the ballpark I'd be in when it comes to Lindholm. Um, this says, do you think some of the players who earlier endorsed the Flames under Sutter, Zadorov, Stetcher, Toffoli, will be as interested in staying with Calgary longer term? I think Toffoli, I, I don't think that Toffoli wanting to stay here or Zadorov wanting to stay here was dependent solely on who the head coach was. I think they both have really liked the way that they have gotten opportunities with this organization and um, the way that they have been kind of, they, they've been worked into higher profile roles. Now, Daryl Sutter was absolutely a part of that over the last two seasons, and this season specifically with Toffoli and having his career year. But I, I don't know if their decisions to stay, my read on it would be they're not overly tied to who the head coach is. This says Toffoli's a Sutter guy. He wanted to stay when Sutter was still the coach. And I guess all I'm saying is um, doesn't mean that he doesn't want to stay now that he's not the head coach. Uh, this from Brett. Conroy needs to do everything in his power to get rid of Huberdo and Kadri. Those two players were big mistakes and shipped them out of town. Been a Flames fan for 40 years, and they don't fit what the Flames stand for. I want to see year two with both those guys. It was a nightmare, no doubt, for both of them. Huberdo all year, Kadri in the second half of the year, definitely a nightmare for those two guys in their first years with the Flames. I, I grant you that. I think the Flames owe it to themselves after the contracts they signed both of them to, after the deal that was made to bring Huberto here. I think that the Flames owe it to themselves to see what year two with the uh, with the Flames is like for both of those guys. And kind of the last thing that, well, not the last thing, but the last thing that uh, we talk about when it comes to Craig Conroy's checklist, it's not that far away. We're about a month away from the NHL draft in Nashville. There's been a lot of talk. I know Big Show was talking a little bit about this. I know that Logan was talking a little bit about this on Sportsnet Today uh, on their Friday shows. This whole idea of Lindholm being moved to move way up in the draft and, and maybe seeing if you can get your hand on specifically Columbus's hands on rather specifically Columbus's third overall pick. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how feasible that is. Like it's, it's, it's a fun conversation. I, I don't know how realistic that is. 
I still think that trying to re-sign Lindholm is a better option. And I, to get the number three overall pick, I don't know. I still feel like you might need to add to move that far up. I don't know. Um, But I still think the number one way to go about this is trying to re-sign him. Now, if that doesn't happen, I do think Columbus is a really good landing spot for Lindholm. That's a nice, you know, with Johnny Gaudreau there and the direction they're going in, I would be curious about Lindholm to Columbus. Whether or not it's for the third overall pick, I'm a little more skeptical on that. I will give salutes to everybody online and all the all, all the folks here who have who have suggested if it happens, though. I will definitely give kudos. I'm a little less um I'm a little less convinced that that would happen, but at the very least, if you're not going to be re-signing Lindholm and that becomes clear, whether it's at the draft, before the draft, or sometime later on in the summer, I do think Columbus is an interesting landing spot. The Flames have five picks at this year's draft. As it stands right now, they've got their first and second round picks, their fourth round pick, and then their sixth and seventh round pick. So they've got five picks. No, does Craig Conroy's predecessor... Typically very busy at the NHL draft. Brad Treliving wheeled and dealed, whether it be the big, you know, the big player personnel moves he made, or even, you know, you go back to 2020 and the two times that he moved down in that draft before acquiring or or, or selecting Connor Zary. And, you know, the the second round in what, 2016, where they moved up to get Oliver Shillington. So there's there's been a lot of wheeling and dealing at the draft from Brad Treliving. Is that the same way Craig Conroy goes about it? I'll be really interested to see. So those are just a few more things on Conroy's checklist as we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk. Thank you very much on the text line at 960-960. Appreciate all the input. Uh, thanks to both Cam Hughes and Taylor Dingman, our outstanding producers. And thanks to Eric Francis for joining us this hour on the program. This hour has been... In the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.